Welcome to Behind the SaaS. I'm your host, Aaron Howerton, and this week, Salesforce Views. I'm going to start at the end, though, at least at the end of my article with the last thing I say, because I think this is a good starting point for a conversation. And this is just recognizing that the only software that matters, the software that works for your team, is whatever software they're willing to use. In partnerships, a lot of times the software that you get stuck with is the software your direct team has purchased and you have to leverage it. It's the core CRM that's not architected properly. I'll talk about that all day long because CRMs are just not built for partnerships. Not inherently. You have to do some legwork and make some decisions. And a lot of times they're decisions you're not equipped to make because you don't have the capacity or the resources or no one around to help you do that well. And you get stuck with whatever direct wants to do because they're not fully bought in on partnerships or ecosystems. And so Salesforce is one of these kinds of platforms. That's part of why I spend so much time talking about it is I do think it has value that it can add. Also, it is the CRM that I know best. That's what we will talk about. We talk about what we know. I think a lot of these things that I'm saying are probably true for other systems because when you look at software, like when you look at what software really is, it's just an interface for data. Software is a way for you to view and work with data in a database. So to that end, what companies do with software in terms of like UI and experience can't vary too much from one company to another, right? Your menu might be different. The way this functions might be different. The magic kind of comes from what they do with the data automatically for you. And that's where Salesforce offers a lot of power. But there's a lot of these core features in Salesforce. When you get into implementations, when you get into what you do with the platform that really get overlooked, you know, um, research, and I've got some posts and links here, research shows that like CRM implementations, and, and this has been true for years, more than a decade, up to 70% fail. I mean, the number's like 20 to 70%, who really knows? Um, but CRM impl implementations fail all the time. And that's because they're complicated and they require adoption and they require buy-in. And there's usually more packed in that platform than just accounts, contacts, leads, and opportunities. And those other things can create a really bad user experience. What I've seen in Salesforce is companies get into the platform and they start to favor sales process, for example, but they don't think through the details of how people engage. So basic features that people could use to make their experience better, the user experience, kind of fall by the wayside. They don't teach their people about the platform. They don't give them basic training on how to use things like favorites or create custom list views. Um, they don't control reporting standards. So a lot of people get in and start building reports who have no idea. They don't know the data architecture. They don't know what data is important. They don't know how to share a report or schedule reports. And so those experiences start to degrade on people and people just hate getting into it. At the end of the day, I mean, I don't, I, I know very few people that work in Salesforce that are like, man, well, outside of the Salesforce junkies like myself. Um, and I'm not even sure to call myself a Salesforce junkie, side note. There's just very few people I feel like they get into Salesforce and are like, man, this is such a great experience. Now, I know one person, I'll take that back, who I think has probably built an excellent experience for his team. I've heard him talk about it on LinkedIn, um, but it's because he's coming from a Salesforce design perspective. Um, he's been doing it for a long time. The thing about Salesforce is that it can be overwhelming. Now, we've already talked extensively, and I'll keep talking about it, though. Like, partnership tech has got a long way to go, I think, to really provide a comprehensive 
challenge to how people manage with CRMs. I think partnerships need their own platform. I think those people need their own way to manage and engage with data because a partnership company, a partnership program is a lot like running a startup inside of a larger company. You've got a whole different set of rhythms. All the same things you would offer your customers, you're going to have to offer for partners. You've got license management, billing, invoicing, uh, contracting, you got support, you got a quoting, you've got all these other pieces, and then really even more than you'd offer customers. And you need all that to be supported, and you need it to be robust, and you need it to be easy to do. Because you know, another new foundational assumption for me, and maybe it's always been there, you have to recognize partners don't want to be in your system. So when you start designing a partner experience, the first thing, I think your foundational assumption, your foundational value is recognition that no one wants to be in your system. Right? There's not a partner in the world that's like, oh, I can't wait to get into my CRM and then go copy and paste this data into somebody else's CRM four different times because there's four people in this deal. These are these people don't exist. And if they do, I mean, maybe they need a different kind of help. I don't know. Um, but when it comes to Salesforce, there are ways. There's lots of ways I think you can make your user experience better for your team. And this ultimately makes it better for your partners because you're giving your team what they need to do their job well and support your partners. Um, so that's why I focus really hard on Salesforce, the internal side of the partner experience, those people that manage it. This week is views, it's list views. List views are quick filters, basically, pre-saved filters on data within Salesforce objects. And if you think about Salesforce in the traditional sense, most people go out with a typical sales app implementation that maybe aren't using the console. I haven't seen the console view used a lot um, I like it. When I give it to people, they tend to like it. But I'm going to talk about this from the traditional view most people have. So you log into Salesforce, you've got your objects across the top, you know, accounts, leads, however it's organized. Maybe you figured out how to customize that yourself. Maybe your company's locked that down so you can't. You click on any of these objects and the database that it shows, you know, right after that, it's going to show you a list of data. That list is called a list view in the upper left-hand corner of the screen kind of right below your tabs, but right above the data is a drop-down menu where you can choose other list views. There's a little bit, something was lost in the lightning transition, a little bit of data visibility in terms of who built or created that view. You can switch to classic and still see it, but that's forever, you know, threatened to be disappeared and gone away. Um, the list views are powerful though, and a lot of companies just don't manage them. You see the list views a pre-built filter on the data. Oh, I want to see the data this way. I want to see it that way. I know it sounds like reporting, I know it sounds like reporting, but there's a key difference. One is it's very easy to shift between list views. It's only going to give you like the top 50 records. The implication for me when I look at list views versus reporting is list views are meant to be quick ways to get to important data to go take action. And I don't know and don't think that a lot of companies use it that way. I think lots of companies turn on Salesforce. They're really, really focused on uh, sales process and reports and dashboards because they want people to go to reports and dashboards to do their job. That is an ingrain, in my opinion, still this legacy mindset that that's how people want to work. I don't like going to reports. I mean, I work in ops. I don't like going to reports and dashboards and have to figure out, great, here's my set of data. I need to figure out what this means and look for what matters and then figure out what the next step is. Users, stakeholders, people in your org, they want to know what to do next. That's, that's their job. What do I do next to move my piece forward, whether it's customer support or sales or anyone else? What's the next thing I need to do? And our software should help us do that. List views can help with that. This is one of those features that kind of falls into the poorly or underutilized pieces of Salesforce, like using rich text bucks, uh, buckets, you know, visual, visual rich text on objects and fields or uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, 
the, the pieces that'll come and go based on conditions, right? Like I can say, oh, I'll only show this piece on the page layout if the data, even if this is a partner in partner recruitment or whatever. Um, the contingent pieces, right? There's things like this that you can do to create a good experience. List views offer a lot of value, in my opinion, for a lot of reasons. One, they can be limited to roles, profiles, or groups, and you can create groups a lot easier than you can get new security profiles and roles in place. So a partnership group with views only visible to partnership gives you some protection on who can see that. They can also be strategically named. In my article, you're going to see, I like to put a little P or maybe an E at the beginning of the view to indicate this is a partner view. I put a P and a hyphen, and then I give it a, a number and a name. So right, let's talk about if we're going to do list uh, list views for, I've got a list here I'm going to look at, partner recruitment. Great. We're going to have it on the account objects. That's what I build mine around. Uh, number one is going to be one, uh, P P one hyphen new partner applications. Uh, P.2, active partner recruitment accounts. P.3, uh, recruitment in contacting. And P.4, sign partners last 30 days, right? That's just a simple example. Um, you could put that in place, and now you have a process. That's what I think views are powerful for. With the right naming convention, the right filters and intentionality behind it, you can create a process of views. So now when I log in every day, I know that this new partner applications needs to be cleared. Right? It doesn't matter that there's a limit of 50. I'm not, I shouldn't have 50. Maybe I got scale and I got a big organization. We're global. Okay, cool. Maybe that's true. But at the end of every day or every two days, there's a, there's a rhythm, right? I need to move things forward through the process. It's a lot like a sales process, but it's for different data and different stages. I think that's the big, big value. Drew, views can help drive visibility and process through your system in a way that reports just can't. They're not as flexible. They're not as nimble. You can also shift views to be in a Kanban. Um, you can tie them to my records, only see things that I own, or tie them to groups of people or different levels of ownership there. Um, and I think what happens with views, though, I think the problem is that views tend to get rolled out without a global strategy. So they get cluttered. People create global views. This is a big one. Lock people out of global view creation from day one, period. Managers, Maybe your RevOps team, lock that down so that you're not get cluttered with views as a global strategy that just really ruin your Salesforce experience. I do not think that individuals creating global views, unless they know what they're doing and it's their job, is a great thing for organizations. It gets really, really cluttered. And when you make a view that's a private view in Salesforce, add your initials to the front, right? For me, it's AH, semicolon or colon or hyphen or whatever. And then a view name. That way, when I look at the view, it's a private view. I can see that it's a private view in the list. Otherwise, you can't really distinguish. If you're cloning a view that's an existing you know, group view, um, you're going to have some challenges there. There's a lot, a lot of really good reasons to use views. This is just another example. It's another example of a small way that you can add value to your Salesforce org, specifically for your partnerships team. But you can do this for any team that you work in. I care about partnerships the most. No offense, customer support. No offense, sales. I just really like partnership stuff. So, uh, yeah, hopefully you find this useful. This is the end of it for this week. I've gone a minute over. I apologize. It's getting harder to put these into 10 minutes uh, when I try to land on something really technical. Stay tuned. I'm really hoping to uh, come out with some new changes in the, in the future, um, working on some new branding, kind of reconsolidating things as this becomes more intentional for me. I really appreciate your attendance today, that you listen, that you care. Shoot me an email if you want to talk about this, Aaron at partneropspartner.com. That's right. It's a legit domain. There's no website yet because that's how we roll when you've got three kids and a full-time job. Have a great week. We'll talk soon.